You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. These days, kids are doing more extracurricular activities than ever before. And when it comes to dance classes, they're often doing more hours as well. With an increase in hours comes an increased risk of injury. A 2010 study by a University of Sydney PhD candidate found that dancers under 14 who did more than eight and a half hours of training per week faced a risk of chronic injury. Kat Rowling is a physio and Pilates instructor at Perfect Form Physiotherapy in Sydney. It's a practice that specialises in treating dancers. In her work, she's also found that her clients face other problems related to posture and movement. She joins us in the studio now. Hi, Kat. Hello. Thank you for having me. In the studio, we also have one of her clients, Eloise, and Eloise's mum, Antonella. Welcome both to Kindling. Hello. Hello. Kat, let's begin with you. I mean, how many hours on average are young dancers training every week and what are the problems you see from that amount of training? Yeah, sure. I mean, it obviously varies between what their interests are and what their goals are. Um, You know, you have kids that just do it a couple of afternoons a week for a bit of exercise, ranging through to children that are doing it almost full time with, you know, the combining the hours that they do at school if they do dance at school and then also after hours. So I'll see kids that are, you know, only year seven and eight doing upwards of 12 to 15 hours a week um, in the studio dancing. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. Were you a dancer growing up? I was, yes. And and what are those hours compared to what you did? Look, you know, I was quite keen, I was quite serious and I did do a lot of hours, but um, I find that these days it's a lot more competitive um, and kids are just doing more and more and more and more structured um, hours, which um, is then spread across a lot of different styles as well. Um, the risk with that, I suppose, is how well they're actually being taught what they're doing. Um, so they're not just adding in class after class after class, but they're training in that particular style. So, um, you know, a lot of the time people would choose, say, A style. So they might do ballet or they might do jazz. But these days they do jazz, tap, acrobatics, ballet, if you you know, a lot of um, different styles across the board, which all have different requirements as well. So we're doing lots and lots of hours um, and really focusing on performance and competitions. And there's sometimes not as much on the actual training behind what they're doing. So you've got obviously the increase in hours and time that they're spending doing things, um, but also a little bit of lacking in like the strength and the technique and the conditioning behind that as well. Okay, we're going to get to how you guys met eventually. But Eloise, if I could ask you, when you first came to see Kat, how many hours dancing were you doing a week? When I first came to see Catherine, I probably did around 12 hours to 13 hours of dance. And I got had an injury with my foot. That's why I went to Catherine and she fixed it and it allowed me to dance still. So... I've got to stop you there for a moment. So what does that look like for you? You're 13, right? Yes. So was this your first year of school this year? Uh, high school? Not. Um, last year was my first year first of school. First year. So you're year seven. second year. You're in year eight now. Yes. And you're dancing 12 hours a, a week. week. Yes. When do you do your homework? I have every second day off. So I, let's say I do Monday, Wednesday and Friday and Saturday of dance with breaks in between, and on Tuesday and Thursday and Sunday, I do all my homework. Oh, my God. And when do you play? Do you play? Um, I hang out with friends, like on Saturday afternoons, Sundays, but mainly 
it's a lot of scheduled homework times and when, let's say, everyone goes out, I'll go, I have to do my homework quickly, then I'll come to stay on top of all the assignments. You. So you must love dancing. Yes. And what, what kinds of dancing do you do? I do ballet, tap, jazz, lyrical and hip-hop. Wow. Okay. Now, I loved dancing when I was a kid, but there was no way I was that committed. Antonella, um, that kind of commitment is definitely something that flows into family life. Has um, Eloise always had this passion for dance? She started at the age of three. Um, she was at home and she would always be on tippy toes and we think that's really cute, whatever. And so we thought we'll try um, dancing because she always liked to dance. And she only did like 45-minute class, I think it was, or a half an hour and was only on a Tuesday. And then when she started kindergarten, they asked if she she'd like to do ballet and then in year one or two I think she started tap but so it was all very small increments and then when she's a little bit older she went into the performance group and then obviously now that she's a lot older she competes in competitions because we have one main competition at our school it's only in June July and but our school doesn't do a lot of estetfords but she does do a lot of dancing and but I always try and make sure that she rests and we don't do too much and if I find that the classes go too late I do get concerned about it and I think no no and with Catherine also um, when she, Eloise had a break like for an hour like there was other classes Catherine would say no let Eloise rest don't let her do this particular class she needs to rest so we do take on a lot what she says and um when she started point, we made sure that she was ready for point and we always get the point shoes and Catherine makes sure that they are fitted correctly for her and any, yeah, we're pretty good. I mean, she doesn't dance on injuries at all. I won't let her. I imagine part of this as well is that children are developing and Eloise, you're still going to grow and all the rest of it. Antonella, you mentioned that um, you were very careful about when Eloise could go on point. I know what you're talking about because I love dance and I've watched all the movies, but can you explain for those who may not understand what that means, firstly what point is and why you had to be careful about when Eloise started? The school um, that Eloise attends asked if um, invited Eloise to go on point. What they do is they look at, I think it's called the core muscle, to make sure that you're st- strong in your, in your core and your ankles are strong and so forth. So we were very excited. We thought, wonderful, she can go on point. And um, a friend of mine said, you must get her assessed because this is before I knew what it was all about. And we did go somewhere else to get her assessed and the physiotherapist said, she's fine, she can do it. And she went on for six months and then she had that injury and I wasn't quite sure where to take Eloise and I came across um, Perfect Form Physiotherapy and and went there and they said Eloise has to come off for six months and I took her off for six months and she learnt to do certain exercises because even though once your foot is in the point shoe which is um, like you've got the block, the toe it isn't so much, you have to make sure your core is strong which is the middle bit, <laughs> and but your foot also has to be strong. And um, Catherine made sure that Eloise did certain exercises for her toes so she doesn't get bunions, I think you call all those things. <laughs> so it's a whole thing which I really wouldn't know, but I went to. But now our school where Eloise goes, as soon as they invite you for, um, like, that you're ready to go on point, they want you to have a, um, a point assessment. So you have to go to a physiotherapist to make sure you are ready 
to go on. So not we don't know who this other physiotherapist was. Oh, we, they, sorry. Shall, they shall remain unnamed. <laughs> no, that's but, right. You know, I didn't know Catherine at the time. <laughs> but Kat, what did they miss when they assessed Eloise? What did they... Um, look, it's hard to say because obviously once by the time I saw Eloise, she was injured and already sore and in pain. So it's hard to say definitively... Um, what happened there Um, and look it's not a fail safe thing so I'm sure that I've assessed people in the past and said yes you're you're ready to go and they are still going to get injured Um, but is that what Antonella was saying you look at the core strength yeah so there's a lot of other things to to look at not just their feet um so we obviously look at different domains how do you tell from... if their feet are ready they're gonna yeah. be standing on their freaking toes that sounds um, so, so um... uh you know general musculoskeletal things like do they have enough range in their feet so if okay. you physically can't get yourself into a position it's going to be very hard to stand on your toes um strength of lots of different little muscles around their foot around their ankle their calf strength um you know, extrapolating all the way up to how well can they control, say, their turnout on one leg, on both legs, what their balance is like, what their pelvic stability and core stability is like. So there's lots of different things that, um, you know, all come together. It is, you know, it's us assessing that basically that you've got the minimum kind of requirement to start doing some point work. Um so it's, I mean, it is a, a challenging thing, I suppose, for physios that aren't experienced in dance. Um what you know, what you actually are looking for is really different, and point work is is very unnatural. It's not you know something that comes naturally to us. So we do have to look at things in, or what is the best way that we can do this task um, because your body doesn't know how to do that naturally because it isn't no. something that... <laughs> no, I can't no. imagine it does. But in terms of the other injuries you see, Kat, so uh, it sounds like Eloise and Antonella have a really great school. They've got yes. great duty of care. They understand and respect the parents' wishes. I'm assuming that this doesn't happen everywhere. You talked before about um, how structured these children's lives yes. are that you're seeing. Yep. In terms of um, what you do in physiotherapy, how important is unstructured time? How important is it not to be told how to move and just to move like a lunatic? Yeah, Um, I would say very important. And these days too, it's starting much younger. So like Antonella said, when Eloise started, she did a half hour, 45 minute class once a week. Great, fantastic. Gets the kids off the iPhone, Mm. the iPad getting them out doing things it's when they've got classes like that every single day from the age of five you know they start school and they're suddenly doing three different dance classes they're doing piano violin and they're learning a language um they're you know they're not sitting behind a computer screen or whatever which I think a lot of parents are really conscious of now and trying to avoid so they want their children to be enrolled in stuff everywhere um which you know is obviously better than them sitting still constantly during the week but it Um, affects their ability to develop naturally a lot of the time. So children need to be learning how to control their body. So when they're very, very young, they don't actually have all of their motor control and all of the slings developed in their body, which is going to really impact them down the track. So we'll often see kids that, you know, haven't been crawling around on the floor, haven't been climbing trees or playing on monkey bars, haven't figured things out for themselves yet because they're always told how to move, how to stand and what to do. Um, So, you know, if that happens for five years or so and then they suddenly come in when they're 12 and they're they're lacking that stability they're lacking that coordination and it's just a natural progression that they've sort of halted by being too regimented in what activities they've been doing 
What does that look like when someone comes to see you? I can't quite picture it. What what does that look like? Um, So often you'll find, so say for an example, if children don't crawl, um, they often don't develop their, what we call the anterior oblique sling. So it's basically what slings us together through the fascial lines of our body. Through the Um, front of our body. She's putting her hands up and down. So without getting too technical, (laughs) I suppose, that's just our normal stabilising mechanism. So without doing any, you know, formal core training or any exercise, we should develop those sorts of slings naturally and that's what kind of holds us together and holds us upright. Often you'll see children that haven't crawled um, so you know that's a a thing that babies don't do sometimes um, but we'll always ask um, the parents if we're seeing you know a a young child or a teenager did this child crawl because when we assess them and we look at them moving they do look like they're lacking a little bit of that stability so they might kind of stand on one leg and their whole upper back falls backwards or they're just really wobbly and a little bit unstable which obviously if you've not got that inherent stability, it can lead to injuries down the track. And what if someone has done a lot of dance, but in an environment very different to what Eloise and Antonella were talking about? What if they've done dance in a space where they've they've done a different dance every day, they haven't mm-hmm. had a day off, and then they've trained on the weekends? It sounds like uh, dance for children when they are in competitions and a Steadfords can be really competitive. Yes. So what does that look like when they come to see you with injuries then? Um, it can, again, vary. Sometimes you'll get kids that are very, very, you know, that type A personality that want to do really, really well in everything. So they are spreading themselves really thin. Their injuries tend to be worsened or made harder, I suppose, to heal and get better by the heightened levels of stress and anxiety that we see a lot in in younger kids. And they're not breathing properly. They're just kind of not taking time for themselves, which the emotional and the physical can't really be separated a lot of the time. So if they're injured because of something physical, say they've rolled their ankle or, you know, they've pulled a muscle or something like that, which, you know, is a physical thing, but how your body is manifesting that anxiety and that stress can really impact impact on maybe getting the injury in the first place, um, but also how well you're going to respond to treatment and how well you're going to heal. So your body has to be in a really good capacity to try and heal any injuries. Um, So in that state where you just go, go, go all the time and you're not taking any time out for yourself or for your injury, it's going to take longer to get better as well. Look, I could talk about this forever because I do, this is fascinating, but let me just end if I can with a a question, two questions in fact for all of you. Um, What kinds of pressures are there on the dance scene and how would you deal with them or how do you deal with them? Kat, obviously you're now you're treating dancers but you would see a a wide range. What do you think are the main pressures that affect young dancers these days? Um, I think it's almost like that fear of missing out um, a lot of the time. So because there is so much more an offer now I feel than you know even back when I was doing it there's you know like we said there's lots of competitions but there's scholarships for things there's extra you know prizes and awards and things like that um so I feel like there's just more that's happening and it's really popular and it's really common and there's lots of you know different schools um that offer all of these things as well and it's hard to sort of see the next person doing something that you're not involved in so then you want to be involved in that and you want to be really good at that um so I think that yeah just generally 
there's a lot more going on for these kids now. And, you know, it might have been you'd have your one at Stedford, you know, in the middle of the year, your one exam and then a big end of your concert, which are nicely spread out. And now there's every second weekend there's something for these kids to do. So if there's something on, people generally want to be a part of it. Yeah. Eloise, I know you sound like you love your school and they sound like a really great and supportive environment. But... Um, do you find uh, friends, do you have friends outside your school that go to different dance classes or do you see any pressures on other dancers that aren't in your school? Yes, a lot of girls from my school or boys, they go to different schools and sometimes they come back to school saying, oh, I'm so stressed about remembering my solo or if they come off stage and get through their solo or their exam or something wrong, they'll be like, oh, no, my teacher's going to get me in trouble. And sometimes they just get stressed over like the really small things and it really affects how they go every day. Is um, Instagram and social media a big part of what they're going through? Like, do they post about themselves and is that an added pressure? A lot of people on Instagram or any social media, they post a lot of like dance poses and things which are great, but sometimes people like, some people like want to be that so bad, so they get like really stressed or annoyed with themselves if they can't get it. And also, most, some people, because they're like proud of themselves, which is good, they post like their winnings and things from competitions, and some people might get really like jealous or stuff, and then it creates like just rivalry and yeah. <laughs> And of course, Antonella, from the outside looking in, although you're not really on the outside, you're probably right in the heart of this dance world. Um, what do you see as the pressure on young children? Obviously, you've done everything you can to make this a good experience for Eloise, but there's always you can always see, you know, you can see your friends, kids, you can see outside communities. Do you see any other pressures that are I mean, on children? I think sometimes... I mean, sometimes maybe parents get a little bit caught up in the child winning these competitions and they get upset if their child doesn't or whatever. I think I'm pretty good. I don't, I could just go out there, go have fun. I'm pretty relaxed about it. I, I think that's my stress, trying to um, make sure she's there on time. Um, am I quick enough in between changes? Um, have I sewn on things correctly, pinned them correctly? Oh my gosh, you that's have to make where, costumes. Well, I don't make them, but you still have to make sure, like sometimes maybe it's too big or you have to fix it or you put tiaras in, the amount of bobby pins. And it's all those little, as a parent, that's where I get stressed um, to make sure that everything that I've done on my part is okay. Yeah, okay for her. She just has to go up there and dance and I just don't want anything falling off because of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eloise, do you think that makes a difference knowing that your mum is supportive but doesn't put that pressure on you to win or do you think that helps? Yes, it. Prob- it I think it does help because <laughs> they help you get ready and be there on time And but they're not like pressuring you to do well. They're just like, go out there. <laughs> I've given you all the... So headpiece and things your teachers told you what to do have fun oh I love it see what happens I love it okay final question um, if you had any advice to give young dancers Kat and their parents about mm-hmm. achieving a balance between um, doing what they love and avoiding injury what would it be um, I'd say to you know have a bit of structure in what they're doing but also make sure that you've got time for yourself for homework for the other things in life as well I mean it can seem like the be all and end all at the time and in that moment but we're talking about kids that are are still in primary school a lot of the time and or early years of high school like Eloise is Um, and the benefit that you're going to get by doing you know those extra classes at that age is not going to really affect them down the track so um, just thinking about well what's necessary for us to be doing do we really need to do this extra rehearsal or this extra competition Um, and just making sure 
that there is enough of a balance that they do get to be, you know, have kid time, have normal time, have family time. Um, Because a lot of that, you know, that stress comes from not being able to actually relax and have that. And it's okay to, to, you know, to miss something, to not go to something. Um, It's okay to not want to do something as well. So making sure that you can, you know, feel like you can pick and choose what you do and don't do. Um, And at the end of the day, your parents, you know, they're your parents. And it is hard when there is pressure from the kid that wants to do a whole lot more or, you know, the teacher asking repetitively, let's do this, let's do this, I'm going to put this rehearsal on. Like at the end of the day, you are the parent um, and you get to decide what you think is best for your child as well. And if something doesn't feel right or something doesn't sit right, um, you, you know, you have that power to kind of step back and go, well, this isn't a good situation and I'm going to kind of make it better for my child. What about you, Eloise? What do you think? What's some good advice for any young dancers out there on having a balance? I think just do a style or a genre that you enjoy. Don't go if you don't enjoy it because you'll get really bored and just want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> that is good advice. And what about you, Antonella? What would you say? What would you say to the parents who are trying to find that balance between their child's passion and what they think is safe and healthy? For me, I think you need to find a good school, an understanding school. And have a school that um, allows you to speak to them and raise any concerns you might have. And, um, yeah, I think that's that to me is important, that I have an open dialogue with the teachers. And if I'm not happy about something, I want to be able to say it. Yeah, just have a nice school, an understanding school. That's what I think is important to me. Brilliant. Well, ladies, thank you so much for your thank time you. today. Thank no you. problem. That was Kat Rowling, a physiotherapist at Perfect Form Physiotherapy, Eloise and her mum, Antonella. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.